Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, April 9th, and uh, here in the Orlando, Florida Relevant Studios, uh, we have a few different uh, friends that you may be familiar with. My name is Josh Loveless. You will notice, because of the sound of my voice, that Cameron Strang is not with us. Um, He's not died, though it sounded like he had. Uh, He is uh, just out of town today. So here in the studio, we have Ryan Hamm. Roxy Weeman. And out of the studio in Loverland, Virginia, Mr. Jesse Carey. Jesse and I'll, Carey. I'll admit, it sounds a little weird when you say Loverland. Well, Cameron says Loverland. Why can't I say Loverland? I don't know. It's just, it, I'll be honest, it's a little uncomfortable. Okay. Oh. Is it an intimate thing between you and Cameron? I can't get involved in saying the city that <laughs> yeah, you're let's from? Yeah, let's not go there right now. I really, I really okay, thought right. that the town you were from was called Loverland. For like the first month of the podcast. Yeah. Did you did you Google it? No, I did not, because that probably would have brought up some inappropriate results. And you're like, wait a minute, this was all a ruse. <laughs> he doesn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I say that at least once a day. I say, wait a minute, this was all a ruse. <laughs> People fool me with things all the time. Uh but you Meowsers. get to <laughs> them back with the ruse. On the other side of the glass we have Mr. Chad Michael Snavely. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here, Chad. It's uh, my pleasure. Yes. Well, it is our pleasure. Now uh, be quiet. To provide this kind of compelling, relevant weekly podcast this week. So uh, we've got some entertainment releases, uh, and we're going to kick some things off with the music releases. Tuesday, April 13th, Jeff Beck is coming out with a new CD entitled Emotion and Commotion. Hey, that could also be the title of Glenn Beck's next book. Wow. (laughs) That's fast. I've just started off. I like it. I like it. That's good. I like where you're going with this. Uh, Natalie Merchant, haven't heard from her uh, recently. She's releasing a two CD set called Leave Your Sleep. Can I see, say, even though I am not a 45-year-old lesbian, I have seen Natalie Merchant in concert. So have I. Uh, See? So have I. Thank you, Chad. Uh, when I was a freshman in college and I saw her on Halloween and the lady in front of me was unironically sort of decked out in witch's robes. <laughs> it's because I saw her I saw her in Ann Arbor, which apparently is the stronghold of Satan. Home of the witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so even though like she wasn't a witch for Halloween, she was right. just a witch. That's that's sort of the impression I got. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do real witches' clothes look like? It was just like sort of a flowing cloak. It was sort of like a, it was kind of a more, it was like a trendier version of something you would think of Professor McGonagall wearing in Harry Potter. Mm. <laughs> so it, was more, it was more of a druid. Yeah, a exactly. Okay. What made it trendy? Well, it wasn't all black. It was sort of dark blue and it had like little stars and mm-hmm. crescent moons on it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sewn on. Beats. No. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> it was not, it was not uh, macrame, sadly. <laughs> It wasn't bedazzled. No, it would have been awesome. It would have been bedazzled. <laughs> also releasing an album uh, this next week is MGMT with their album Congratulations. And the Freelance Whales are releasing Weather Veins. Oh, that's Chad's new favorite band. Yeah, I like those guys. Mm. Yeah, nice. Uh, also, uh, Jonathan Lee 
is releasing Let Them Hear. Uh, if you haven't heard of Jonathan Lee, apparently uh, it's Chad's good buddy, uh, Phil, that plays bass in this band. Yeah. Chad, do you want to say anything else about Jonathan Lee? I saw him play in Nashville uh, mm-hmm. last year, and he's a great worship artist. He's fairly new and up and coming. And uh, yeah, my good buddy, Phil, I used to play in a band with Phil. Phil is uh, Jonathan's bass player. Okay. So check out his music. It's good stuff. Good deal. Uh, movie releases. We just have one being released Friday, April 16th. Death at a Funeral. Oh. What's interesting about what I have here on my note sheet is it says Death at a Funeral starring Luke Wilson. <laughs> like, that's about as what? racist. <laughs> that's about as racist a note as you could possibly put. There are, there's Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, Danny Glover, Tracy Morgan, about five superstar people, but they're black. And I feel like the person who wrote this note. Um, may have some racial issues. I have a contract with AT and T. You're a big iPhone user. So, yeah. so I didn't want to say any names, wow. but but Chad ratted himself out there that yeah, you put starring Luke Wilson in Death at a Funeral, <laughs> and I literally had to look it up. Going, I don't think I've ever seen a white person in the trailer. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but apparently he is in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got for entertainment releases. Now coming up, slices. That was Paper Route with the song Tiger Teeth, the uh, the Passion Pit remix, of course. It's playing now on Relevant FM. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Keen and Kanan, their song Stop for a Minute, uh, which is playing uh, on Relevant.tv. Yeah, so you're a fan of Kanan. I like Kanan. I do not like Keen. Okay. I thought it was Kanan. Didn't we say is that the whole time? Kanan? I need to... Re- Chad... Mm. I've always heard a canon, but that's how we referred to. I'm racist, okay. so what do I know? <laughs> so yeah, your opinion is not valid. Okay, now it's time for slices. What do you got, Ryan? Um, all right. So I have to give a hat tip to Ashley Emmert for this one because, to be quite honest, she also gave me the punchline. So bring it. She yeah. would. All right. So I think this was earlier this week. Um, two women were arrested in an airport in London for trying to get a or smuggle a dead guy onto a plane. (laughs) Apparently he had died while they were waiting for like to get on board and he died in his wheelchair. So rather than tell anyone that he died, they simply put sunglasses on him. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking at weekend at Bernie's. It's weekend at Bernie's three. Stole your punch. Yeah, I know. It's okay. But it's basically like that was low. That was low hanging fruit. Though. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's basically the plot to the worst weekend at Bernie sequel ever because it ends. <laughs> it's not like crazy hijinks where the guys get the girls. It's like this guy dies and they just get arrested for it. <laughs> it's a short weekend, weekend at Bernie's three. Go to jail. <laughs> and it's like a half hour after school special. And yeah. It, and it all happens at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my favorite part of the whole story is that they decided that it would be a great idea to put sunglasses on the guy. (laughs) 
I'll never yeah, know like, like now. I haven't seen this in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's great too, uh, that's actually the slice that I had brought to the table. Sure. Uh, that's what happens sure when you challenge the person who writes them all and steal his work. Son of a gun. And what, one of the things I appreciated too was it says the airport officials had to actually test the man's pulse. <laughs> so imagine somebody at the airport realized, I don't think that guy is just sleeping. <laughs> he actually seems dead. So imagine, imagine being in the airport in that moment and having to like literally interrupt the women and say, I'm sorry, can I take the pulse of the man you're pushing the wheelchair? I don't believe he's alive. Well, that's like that guy we saw at the bowling alley a couple weeks ago. He could have been none dead. of us were sure he was alive. I know, not. but none of us went and checked. Right. right. Who is willing yeah, but, but to But you say, are trying to pull him onto an airplane. Come on. That's every true. time I walked by, I yelled something and he didn't move. <laughs> I, I was I was recently at the beach and and there was these uh, there was this elderly couple and they were there was like two lawn chairs and they're like asleep like in their clothes on the lawn chairs you know <laughs> and I was with this guy who said he was a lifeguard and one time he saw one day he was at the beach and you know doing his lifeguard thing and people those two two elderly people fell asleep in lawn chairs and at the end of the day they were still sleeping there. And uh, he went over and they had died. Both of them? Yeah. Wow. Oh, maybe it was just one. I don't know. But I feel like that's the way to go, though. But but I was going to say, what better way to go than t- you fall? You literally fall asleep on a beach. But, yeah, but what if your, you had crippling prostate pain and the only way that you fell asleep was through tons of drugs and you didn't even know where you were? At that's least a, you're on the beach. That's a good question. <laughs> you know, maybe that. Don't know how to respond, but <laughs> yeah, that, that would be worse. I, I do wonder though, who is checking the old people to see if they're sleeping or dead? Like this seems like a new game that you could play, like with friends. Like go to the mall, go to the beach, go to the airport, apparently, and play sleeping or dead. That seems very cruel. Well, it does it seems morbid? I think it's the way to actually find out if you know people are dead rather than sleeping. So. <laughs> that you, is the name the, of the, the game. The, the, the most obvious way is to see if they're wearing sunglasses. Yeah. yeah that's a dead. They are, they've obviously gone on. Well, it's a dead giveaway. Sorry. Yeah. I had to say that. <laughs> uh, the article that I uh, was reading about that story, uh, the, the wife of the man who died uh, said he never shouted. He had a very English etiquette. <laughs> wow. Of all the things of to say things in an article. To be remembered by. Yeah. <laughs> That's his obituary. He, yeah, never he, was very English. he never yelled. I, I, of Not all, once. If, if I knew that was the scorecard in my marriage, I think I'd be awesome. <laughs> That's I, true. That's the one area I think I could pass, flying colors. Okay. I don't know if, if a lot of people know this about me, but I am pretty into crypto cryptozoology. Um, huh. Uh, it is the study of, you know, possibly mythical creatures. I watch a lot of Monster Quest. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that show. No, what channel is that on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, no, I, I do know. It's the History Channel, oddly. Okay, uh-huh. okay, okay, all right. You know, like, for some reason, the, the, the History Channel has become all like Hitler documentaries, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. alien shows, uh-huh. and Monster Quest. I okay. think that's their whole lineup now. Okay, so tell me about Monster Quest. Monster Quest is a show where each week uh, they they look for a different uh, like creature. Like one week it'll be uh, Bigfoot. One week it'll be like the Jersey Devil. One week it'll be like a pterodactyl. That people, uh, chupacabra was the situation. Was the situation the Jersey Devil? By chance? 
Yeah, it was. They found him and captured him and killed him. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. That was like one 30-minute episode. Yeah. 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 Um, no, but it's an awesome show. I, I, I encourage, I think I've, I've encouraged listeners before to check it out. Okay. Because it's pretty sweet. Okay. Um, and, and they send like teams into like a swamp or whatever and set up cameras and try to catch it on film. So far, I've seen probably two dozen episodes and they haven't caught anything on film. But, <laughs> That's shocking for I'm some still reason. Believing, okay. You know? Good. Hang in there. Wait, They've heard you, some weird noises. You, I'll tell you that. Do you actually believe in the existence of some of them? Well, after, after this slice, I did. Okay. Because the, what they're dubbing the Oriental Yeti, you know, Yeti is, is like a, a Bigfoot has been discovered in China. Wow. It was uh, th- this hairless beast was captured uh, in, in a remote woodland area in China by hunters, like in a trap. I can't even describe it because it's hideous. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure if you Google Oriental Yeti, the picture will come up. But it's this hideous little hairless, uh, like, bear type of thing with, like, the head of a dog and a huge tail. Um, but it's pretty exciting. For, for cryptozoologists everywhere. But they're actually, they're, they're shipping it to Beijing and they're going to test the DNA to figure out what the heck it is. So do you believe that this is literally something worth paying attention to? Or is this like, is this, is this some sort of hoax? Oh, this is absolutely worth being paid attention to. But you think this is like real, like this is a real find? I mean, it, it, what's what's to say it's not, you know? I mean, let, let me ask you this. Wouldn't you rather err on the side of a DNA test? Or would you like or would you like to just say, oh, no, let's free this hideous beast that we've never seen before. <laughs> no. And I, wake up in like two years and they're, you know, taking over humanity. If we're going to do a hmm. DNA test, it needs to happen on the Montel Williams show. Ma- Maury. <laughs> or Maury. Yeah. I don't care. I Just either of them. <laughs> Whichever one is wearing one earring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which one wears one earring and wears ribbed uh, half turtleneck sweaters? That's true. Which that's, one is that? That's Montel. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're looking into... Uh, I'm just trying to keep people safe. Yeah, these yeah. creatures and making sure did that you, we're, we're, we're caught up. Did you look up, up a picture? I, I did look up a picture. It, it looks a bit like some sort of hyena slash pig thing. Are they really worried it's dangerous or is it just... Well, the thing the thing about cryptozoology is, you know, most of the time you find out after the fact that this animal probably has supernatural powers. Mm. So we want to get that DNA tested. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you very much for bringing us uh, that update, Jesse. And if you come across any other sightings uh, of any kind that we need to be uh, the first to hear of, I really would appreciate you passing that along. Oh, absolutely. And, and in the meantime, uh, set your TVOs for Monster Quest. You won't be disappointed. Well, you will be disappointed because they never find anything. Right, but they hear lots of stuff. But but you will hear some weird noises. Hmm. Uh, that's awesome reenactments. <laughs> that was Slices. Stay tuned for an interview with Bryce Avery from The Rocket Summer. Show my 
That was the uh, Dead Weather, uh, the song Die by the Drop. Uh, They have a new single just released on iTunes, and you can check them out on thedeadweather.com. We've got an interview uh, with Bryce Avery from The Rocket Summer. He was interviewed uh, by Elise. Um, Bryce Avery is a native of the state of Texas. He's a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, mastermind behind the band The Rocket Summer. Uh, he's accomplished uh, enough for someone who's a lot older than uh, the age that he has right now, having just released his second Island Records release and fourth overall, and it's called Of Men and Angels. And it's the follow-up on his major label debut from 2007's Do You Feel? Since launching his career as a 16-year-old with the independently released The Rocket Summer EP, a name that he took from a Ray Bradbury short, short story. Bryce has toured around the world, selling out venues not just in the U.S., but Canada, the U.K., and Japan, while playing such noted events as U.K.'s Glastonbury Festival, Scotland's Tea in the Park, Japan's Summer Sonic Festival, Austin City Limits, South by Southwest, Bamboozle Cornerstone, and yes, even, because I know you're wondering, the Vans Warp Tour. On February 23rd, 2010, The Rocket Summer released his fourth studio album of Men and Angels. The album debuted at number one on iTunes, surpassing the Black Eyed Peas, The End, which had previously held the number one spot for top album. Here's part of Elise's conversation with Bryce Avery. Uh, from your perspective, maybe what are some newer elements that people will notice on Of Men and Angels? Um, I think it's, uh, it's a bit more of a kind of just raw emotion, kind of a record. Um, also, sonically, I kind of went about it in a way where I wanted it to be a big produced modern record, but done with a lot of integrity, and uh, there's just like no auto-tune on the vocals and very little chopping on the drums and just full guitar takes and, you know, just a record that it was made the way records should be made. Right. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm just, I'm really proud of it, and I think lyrically, it kind of, uh, it kind of deals with, um, touches on just struggles, you know, and uh, kind of having this uncanny faith that, that things will get better through these times and just remembering victories you know supernaturally in the past and and uh or I should say supernatural victories in the past and and uh yeah noticed that over the years the themes of your albums they definitely evolved uh, back when you did Calendar Days and Hello Good Friend it was definitely more internal and soul searching and then Do You Feel kind of introduced this socially conscious theme and then now we have Of Men and Angels which is definitely the most spiritually centered of your work and you even said that it's the most spiritually charged that you've written mm-hmm. 
And I was just wondering maybe how this shift has occurred in your writing process over the years. I mean, I'm just, I write, I write from my heart and it's just, it's just very autobiographical, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, I think that the shift is just natural and growth and in spiritual growth and, um, and just kind of experiencing, you know, and, um, calendar days and writing songs about just like, can't, you know, I can't wait to quit working at Starbucks so I can sleep in, you know. <laughs> That's like the farthest thing from where I am at as a, you know, a 27-year-old now. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, it, this album especially, is, it kind of um, touches on a lot of, uh, I mean, it's a very it's a very hopeful album, but it, it kind of touches on harder times, you know. And uh, But uh, the whole thing is just, there's this common thread about like, giving yourself up and serving others and that's just something that really was weighed heavy on my heart during this season of my life and while I was writing this record. music and your onstage personality, I think people usually equate it with that sense of hope as well. And do you think you would call yourself an internal optimist? Is that something that you feel like you relate to? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I just, I, I think it's more just a, uh, a, a, I think it's just a testament of my relationship with God and just like, just, uh, what he's done in my life and just knowing that he's in control. Um, I definitely have bad days. There's this weird perception of me that I'm this like crazy, happy-go-lucky, uh, <laughs> bubbly person. And um, those people that really know me know that that's... Uh, I mean, I think they, they would say I'm a positive person, but I, th I think uh, like the other day somebody asked me, it's like, have you ever even had a bad day in your entire life? <laughs> and I'm just sitting here thinking like, 2009 was full of many, many, many bad days. So it's kind of like, um, and those people in my life that know me well could uh, would probably just laugh in a sad way <laughs> if somebody asked me that question. But, but I mean, I just think that the if the optimism and the positivity is just uh, a testament to God in my life, you know. And I'm I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. I definitely get upset and. Um, it's just a, it's a journey, you know, and it's like I'm constantly, just when I think that I'm like kind of achieving something, uh, uh, God shows me that, that I'm not there, right. <laughs> but in a very loving way, in a very refining way, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you about Call It Captivate, and I. Mm -hmm. this is a clothing company that you, did you start it yourself or joined in with it? No, yeah, I started it myself. Um, we started it a couple years ago. It's a pretty quiet thing. Um, I just had this idea, you know, I've never, I mean, I've always, I've always been into fashion and stuff, but uh, it's never really been like a huge passion of mine, you know, um, especially starting a clothing line of any kind. Um, in fact, I've kind of always sort of loathed the whole rock star guy makes clothing line. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But uh, 
in fact, that's, that's in a way kind of how it's fun. I, I, I thought somebody to be honest, man, it's like, how can I do something that just is like kind of that, you know, that the anti rock star clothing line? And, and I, and just, I was thinking about it and I had this idea to, I, all I want to do is, is kind of inspire people to get involved and to learn more and um, younger people, you know, and perhaps on things that aren't aren't the, the most hip ideas and, and charities that are that are out right now, stuff that's a little quieter, you know, that needs help. And so, what we did was we uh, we partnered with like nine different charities from uh, disease research to poverty aid to orphanages to uh, rehab facilities and and uh, victims of sex trafficking and. And uh, we try to make great clothes just to stand alone on top of it. And uh, when you go to our website and you get something, um, you uh, you get to read about the charities. And then you decide where you want 25% of uh, the money to go to, which charity. And we started it a couple of years ago, so it's been kind of quiet. And we've kind of seen some other kind of uh, business models um, pop up that are that are kind of like us. We, I mean, which we're thankful for. It's just a cool idea, you know. And we're uh, we're in the middle of kind of revamping it, though. It's sort of quiet right now. We've been kind of obviously focusing on all things Rocket Summer. Um, CIC is just totally like a fun little side thing. Um, But we we brought on some really rad designers that are responsible for some of the stuff that you see at Urban Outfitters and Forever 21 and stuff like that. So uh, so it's pretty sick. We're we're excited, and sometime in 2010 we'll we'll uh, we'll launch that new thing. That was Bryce Avery. You can check out therocketsummer.com. Coming up, the most interesting conversation. That was Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. The song was Beat the Devil's Tattoo, which I think all of us should do daily. What do you think the devil's tattoo is? What do you think the devil's tattoo is that you should beat? Well, I think the most evil tattoo would easily be a tramp stamp with a dolphin and a sun incorporated into it. (laughs) That's not true. And one of us on Skype has that tattoo. (laughs) So... It's not me. So you don't don't name any names. Good. No, I, no, I have a uh, I have two barbed wire tattoos: a Tasmanian devil, <laughs> uh, an American flag, mm-hmm. uh, and an eagle from shoulder to shoulder. Excellent. With uh, with a machine gun and its and its talons. Awesome. So. And it has the head of Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That would actually, if you had that, that would be awesome. Let's be honest. I love ironic tattoos, (laughs) you know? The husband of one of our designers here, he's designated his left leg as his joke tattoo zone. 
So, well, so I said, love it that he has a part no, of his body that's designated to the joke tattoo zone. Yeah, so he said, he's like, it's mostly just for dares. <laughs> that's where I put my dares. Yeah. And so, like, apparently. So, what does he have on there? Well, he doesn't have anything yet, but he's like waiting for oh, a good dare. Because he's like. The big dare was not to put any tattoos. <laughs> right. So, that's his dare. Well, like. it's because his wife has threatened, if he actually goes through with it, she's threatened to get a rather significant tattoo of a space shuttle so uh, well i mean so the general thing is anytime we're like having a late night conversation this always comes out because there's like hey there he is right now there's like a semi-decent chance that if you go I dare you to get a tattoo. Hold on, hold on. This is bring him in here. He just came in. He just walked by. Can you please put him in front of a microphone? I have a dare for him. And and there's gonna be thousands of people to to help him on this dare. Okay, so Black Rebel Motorcycle Club came out with a song that we just played called Beat the Devil's Tattoo, which got us talking about tattoos, which brought us to Ryan telling a story about your dare leg. leg. Why don't you tell us about the motivation behind using your dare leg for tattoos? I mean, not necessarily a dare leg. It's more about just fun, random tattoos, spur of the moment. Um, tattoos kind of mean different things for different people. So um, when you kind of dedicate an entire leg to good times and memories, um, it's kind of just, I guess, kind of like looking back at a timeline where so you can. If, if we dared you right now, to right get now. a tattoo, would you do it on your left leg? Would you? Would you do it? Or because what? you would look back on this night and be like, "Man, that was really funny." What? what yeah, what's, like, what's that the was filter? such a random night. The filter. Well, I'm married, so I mean, I gotta kind of. <laughs> obviously, I mean, it, it's got to be tasteful in some sense, but okay, ninety uh, percent chance yeah. that it'd probably go down. Okay, okay. today's 90%, a pretty ninety percent. Yeah. Here's what it is: you can get a tattoo of the Oriental Yeti. On your leg. On your leg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna speak on behalf of Relevant Media Group <laughs> because I'm in the pilot's chair today and say that if you got I say if you got an Oriental Yeti on your left leg, I, I believe that that relevant I'm gonna confirm relevant will pay for that tattoo. I'm 90% sure that this is actually going to happen. Okay. <laughs> really? Oh, dude. Well, we're going to have to put in a purchase order. For okay. That. Well, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to fill out a form uh, here at Relevant and, uh, and see if we can get an Oriental Yeti. Now, I need to know, first of all, do you have any idea what the Oriental Yeti looks like? I've got an envision of what I hope the Oriental Yeti looks like. It's kind of like a bald possum. Yeah, it is a bald animal. So, but what's great is I. Do you have hairy legs? Because then it's it's gonna it's gonna come across like it's a hairy animal. So, hey, we uh, yeah, ninety percent chance. (laughs) Now, is this something we can we can shake? Can I get you to a hundred percent today? Or do you really need to go home and talk to your wife about something Co- like this? Yeah. I probably need to. Actually, I can just step outside for a second. Yeah, bring okay. her in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll just turn this into a morning zoo episode. And uh, go ahead and bring, bring your wife in. And let's see. Hey, don't tell her what's going on. We'll explain it. He literally was walking by. <laughs> we like threw a fishing pole out there, reeled him in. Uh, just now joining us and walking in is uh, is Amy, who's one of our very talented graphic designers. Amy, Hi do you want to say hello? Hello. She has no <laughs> idea why she's just stepped into the middle of the relevant podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous. Uh, but we were having a conversation about tattoos. Okay. And, uh, and 
Ryan brought up uh, the fact that your husband yes. has a, a leg dedicated to random tattoos. <laughs> and he was that, That's walking, yet to be used. Correct. <laughs> well, yet being the key word, Jesse, I would say. Uh, uh, I'd say it's more yeti to be used. <laughs> because uh, as, as Isaiah was walking by, we brought him in and, and asked him if he would be open to us, uh, us daring him to get a tattoo that relevant would pay for, uh, that would uh, yeah be anything that we want. And today, we discovered uh, not just us, but but some other people in China discovered the Oriental <laughs> Yeti. And it's a big we felt thing. like this is like the collision of so many cosmic things all at the same time. These are a lot of things. This is a lot of things. And we, we were we were asking Isaiah how he would feel about getting an Oriental Yeti on his left leg. And he said he was 90% sure this, this, this would be a great thing to do. The 10% had something to do with you. <laughs> Well, see, this goes back to an agreement um, we had when we first got married. And that was if he ever got a tattoo that I disagreed with, one flash, you know, how that whole thing works out, um, that I would get the space shuttle. Uh, tattooed on my entire torso. Your entire torso. My entire torso. Which okay. So dedicated. this is really a win-win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. So as long as he's willing um, and re- relevant as willing yes. to pay for my giant space shuttle torso. <laughs> Wait, but would this one? But would this qualify as one you heartily? Are you going to disagree with? Yeah. This one? Yeah. I'm really? going to go ahead and disagree. Really? Oh, it's a big day. It's a yeti. What if it's tiny? It, it's, just like it's a hairless <laughs> size of a quarter. It's a hairless yeti. I mean, I don't that's know even that, that is even that's even worse. Yeah. So you're 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 shutting this idea down. Yeah, I'm not I'm not okay with that. Okay. All right, man. Well, oh. do you want to pray about it? I mean, that yeah. feels like the spiritual response. Yeah, I can right. do that. Well, thank you for joining us, yeah, Isaiah. For thank me. you very much, Amy. Let's give some applause. <laughs> well, I had no idea that uh, that that song that we just played would take us all the way there. Okay, now it's time for the most interesting conversation of the week. And, uh, and today, what we're going to talk about is, uh, is a story I came across on uh, Mashable.com. That, uh, they've got a genius series that they're running, which highlights uh, unique startup companies. And uh, one of the companies that they're highlighting is called Krugi. Uh, K-R-O-O-G-I. Uh, and it's a content community for artists, musicians, writers, videographers, and photographers to post content for fans to download and pay for on a pay-what-you-want model. Um, it's really interesting. And uh, the conversation that I wanted to have is who determines the value of a piece of art? Now, granted, the business model they're developing, which I think is, is still suspect at this point in terms of whether or not they're going to make any money, um, but up until now, companies and organizations uh, and artists have determined the value. And what they're trying to do is allow the consumer to determine what a piece of art is worth. Do you guys have an opinion on who determines the value of what art is worth? I don't want to oversimplify things, but I think this is really only a conversation that has occurred in the last maybe 75 years um, because of the vast increase of the amount of popular art that was available at any given time. Like the price of art has always been driven by the consumer. I mean, you had artists who didn't like, you know, like Mozart and Beethoven, they, they made art because they were in essence paid to make art by the king. 
or by whatever monarch was ruling. Um, and then if you think of an art gallery, like all of that art is val- deemed valuable based on consumer demand. Um, so it's like we've always had this, I mean, for lack of a better term, I guess kind of free market philosophy when it comes to art, like the consumers derive the value. I mean, that's why it's based on supply and demand. Right. I mean, that's right. why, you know, something right. is something as simple or seemingly simple as Duchamp, like pasting his name on a urinal can be worth millions of dollars because it's deemed that valuable by the artistic community. Someone will pay that much right, for it. Exactly. And I feel like it's only been, like I said, in the last 75, 80 years when, especially the advent of popular film and television and music has brought about like these massive conglomerates of companies who have kind of set a price and then said that that's how much this is worth and that's how much you should pay. And so we've kind of grown up thinking that that's how this should work. But that's still and yet based we're rebelling on... against it now right. because we're saying that we won't pay that much right. for it anymore. Well, and I, and I, I mean, I, yeah. And I mean, obviously like you have to understand too, that there are like lots of recording costs and all those things right. that have gone in. Yeah. Um, right. and, and really, I mean, it's not like you, you're paying to own it. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like you own the licensing right. to that, right. you know, whether it's like a, a piece of music or, you know, it's not like, unless you're buying a, a one of a kind right. print or something, you, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you don't own an original anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously Radiohead tried this, uh, with their album, mm-hmm. uh, I think a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah. 2007, I think Yeah, in rainbows, yeah. I believe. And, uh, and it was successful for them and, and a really unique concept that a lot of people were really intrigued by and wondering if it would shake up the music industry. No one else has really attempted this. I know some indie artists have, but no real major label artists that... Yeah, Nine Inch Nails did it, but um, besides him, there haven't been too many people who... Like I said, indie Christian artists right. like yeah. Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> well, uh, I, music, and music's a bit of, of a uh, unique case because of all the other factors that uh go into it you know you look at the marketing and the production and uh you know the licensing and and all this stuff where where at the end of the day you know most of the the artists usually makes their money not from cd sales but from you know touring or or merchandise so i think more or less with with music it was sort of just a way to cut out the middleman Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. jesse if you wrote uh, an article or you know some sort of blog post do you want someone else deeming whether it's valuable or not in terms of what they're going to pay for it or like does it or does it just feel like a bonus to you just to get paid for something that you wrote yeah i mean i think i i'm probably different than a lot i mean a lot of people have probably their own opinion but i feel like uh people especially in our generation that that are a bit younger that have you know kind of uh you know, come up in the digital age, have a lot less of a need or even like this uh, sense of entitlement when it comes to, you know, what they create. Like if I write something, I fully expect to find if it's, if people like it, you know what I mean? Like I fully expect that there, it will get republished without me being compensated for that. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just kind of given. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that I get, like, offended about. I, I think that I, I've read about other writers in particular who get really upset with that. But I think with our generation, 
that that's how we grew up you know we could find whatever we want on the internet and we don't pay for it you know it'll be interesting i think to see if this is a way that professional artists who already make an income uh boost revenue in some sort of way or if this is a way that amateur Mm -hmm. artists you know use to kind of get a foot in the door to to start to get noticed and appreciated for their work well and i think i mean i think a big part of the push toward sort of making art almost democratically decided in terms of how much it costs is um it's also a backlash against the music industry because i mean honestly like they a lot of times they've artificially kept prices high when recording costs have been drastically reduced i mean you hear all the time about like you know damien gerardo went and recorded this on a four track in his bedroom and it's like but it's still you know 13 bucks at best buy yeah um so although i really like his labels i'm not trying to throw them under the bus but in particular with the major labels like just throwing these vast sums of money around and um you know and then you had the famous example of the guitarist for metallica complaining that fans were stealing his record and it's like but you do realize that you sold like millions and millions of albums yeah and and by what i said i'm not like advocating plagiarism but i think that the the current you know media uh you know model that we have not just with music but with publishing and eventually now with youtube and and television you know the 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 big companies are going are really slow to change and they're really Mm -hmm. resistant to that Mm -hmm. you know but it's inevitable that that things you know value is going to be different right you know right well that's why i mean that's why you've seen bands like vampire weekend is number one on the charts and like sheen hip was number six even though they're these tiny indie labels like suddenly the internet gives them a distribution arm that's as big as the major labels have ever had i think it's i think it's an exciting time i think there's a lot of people that are responsible for these record labels and uh, you know some of these companies that you know fund professional photographers may be you know worried about their future but i love the creativity Mm -hmm. um that I feel like it's possible when you hit right. a wall. Well, and I remember even like after Radiohead announced their in rainbows model, I think it was the head of Columbia, like, um, sent like was so fascinated by it that he basically sent an email to all of his employees and said like, why didn't we come up with this first? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think one thing too is th- anytime you mix business with art, you're going to get these different ideologies. But right. I think if you're in, if, if you make art, as that that's like what you do and make your living and if you do that with the intention of getting rich your pro- your motivation is probably wrong you know what i mean yeah. like i think it's going to be reflected negatively in what you do right i think at some point an artist mm-hmm. has to be willing to say you know I, this isn't just about the smartest business decisions here mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i'm sure there, there might be a lot of people that disagree with me on that but i mean i i personally think that is what went wrong with the music industry or, you know? or at least people had, had to have their cake and eat it too right. you know or at least be honest about your motivations i mean again like i remember seeing damien Drado in concert and he's like he's like go to the back and buy a t-shirt because my kid needs shoes and like that was a lot more <laughs> You know, I was a lot more likely to be like, oh, this is actually helping him as right. an artist than, like, yeah. you know, my record label needs, you know, some distribution rights in Canada. <laughs> well, yeah. and I feel like part of the importance of innovating will be figuring out what people are willing to pay for. Right. Because if it's not, if consumers are no longer willing to pay for just a digital download, I mean, art has changed over time. Mm-hmm. We 
became willing to pay less for a print of an art piece than the original. So, I mean, eventually they innovated prints and people bought them. Right. So, it just what's going to be next that consumers are willing to pay and for? And this is this is only going to work though for freelance artists. This isn't going to work for anyone that's in a contract already. Any sort of musician, but, any but, sort but, of photographer, right. any sort. But of, it, it, it's only going to be a matter of time before for sure. everybody is right. freelance or independent right. or is contracted. I, yeah. I, I think that goes beyond just art i think you know you'll look at software developers or people who are creating things that you know they created but they don't necessarily own you know what i mean yeah i think we're moving into an era where the the how how the the whole model of how people create and uh you know make a living off of is going to change well, that was the most interesting conversation. We think it was interesting, and uh, and we'd like to know what you think. So you can actually give your opinion about this conversation on our website at relevantmagazine.com. Coming up, feedback. That was Gold Frapp with the song Believer from the brand new album Head First. You can check them out at goldfrapp.com. Uh, now it's time for our feedback section of the podcast. Um, last week we asked you to tell us the best April Fool's prank you've ever pulled on someone or the best one that's ever been pulled on you. And this is some of what you said. Well, I, I, I saw actually saw this one on my Facebook feed from a handful of people uh, where somebody had put, uh, guess what we found out? And in this particular case, they had a picture of a positive pregnancy test. But I, I saw a handful of those where people were saying that. Did you hear the big news? I don't know. I feel like that's a little emotionally manipulative, but <laughs> that's just me. I think it's funny between spouses. <laughs> I don't, I don't that's think even worse. really funny. No, I, I don't. I don't find it very interesting on Facebook. I find it interesting, you know, for your wife or, or husband to, to. What if your husband came home? I'm pregnant. See, that would be an April Fool's joke. Someone named Sammy Broussard uh, talked about how when her first child was born, she, uh, she was really sad about having to go back to work. So she um, found this 74 year old woman who uh, to take care of her baby and like do a lot of housework and stuff while she was going to work. And I hope there was a filtering process. It just sounds like she just threw a fishing. Well, she saw her. someone named Mrs. Doubtfire and she's like, that's it. <laughs> um, Mrs. Featherbottom. Yeah. Mrs. Featherbottom. <laughs> so anyway, so she hired this 74 year old woman to take care of her baby and like kind of do some stuff around the house while she was at work. And on April 1st, she got a letter from this lady and she opened it and it was like she was going to have to leave because she was going to move home with her daughter. And so this person who got the letter is like weeping on the way to school because this wonderful babysitter and housekeeper is like leaving her. And so she called her and was like crying and talking about how she would miss her, but that they were really happy for her. And then the the 74 year old woman's like, do you ever read the date at the top of the letters? And it was April 1st. And to me, like, <clears throat> that's not a funny April Fool's prank. Like, that's just mean. I think when 74-year-old people get involved with this. What? 
Hold Jesse on. will get a Yeti tattoo. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Not Jesse Carey. No, this is this is interesting. <laughs> this is really really interesting. We are now going to break uh, from the uh, the feedback uh, portion of the podcast. We have breaking news. Uh, we like we like to break. First of all, we brought you before anyone else. Well, Jesse has. I have to give him credit. Uh, brought you that that the Oriental Yeti had been discovered. Finally, um, finally, we'd all been kind of. It waiting. had eluded humanity for thousands of years. We had been waiting with bated baby's breath, uh, waiting for that to happen. And now uh, the breaking news is that a fellow staff member and graphic designer, Jesse, uh, has uh, stumbled into our studio and has offered himself as the sacrificial tattoo recipient. <laughs> On behalf of the conversation we were having earlier with Isaiah and Amy, um, who, for the sake of their marriage, decided not to get <laughs> the tattoo of the Oriental Yeti, Jesse has has stepped in the week after Easter as the sacrificial tattoo recipient. Mm. I mean, this the Way spiritual significance this of this. Uh, Jesse, it's like a tattoo atonement. It is. Mm. It really is. Jesse, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hello. Uh, we we just have received news that you are willing to receive a tattoo of the Oriental Yeti. Is this true? Can you confirm or deny? I confirm. Okay. Wow. Can you wow. tell us what, what is the motivation behind making this kind of decision? This is a life decision. This is permanent. Well, honestly, it's, it's um, something that I'd actually get as a tattoo. Um, Do you know what it looks like? Does have it have to specifically be an Oriental te- like Yeti? I, I think yes. so. Yeah, for you to follow through with what the podcast Keep standards in mind, are. I will. I will say though, we'll pay for that part. But if you later want to like add a ninja costume or something to it and want to pay for it yourself, that's totally fine. But okay. that's not what makes it Oriental. Just so you right. know. Have you seen the Oriental Yeti? I have not. It looks like a bald possum. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel are about you, are you trying? The thing is, it's real. <laughs> okay. I think you're trying to convince me not to do it. No, this. we want you to do it. We're just making sure you have all the info. We don't we want just, you to make a bad decision. Jesse is now <laughs> looking now seen. at the picture of the Oriental Yeti for the first time, which is weird to commit. You already confirmed, by the way, that you were going to get this tattoo, yeah. and now you're seeing it, which is backwards from how your mother would probably want you to make this decision. Yeah, I'm glad she doesn't listen to this podcast. Jesse, you had pictured a Yeti being what? Uh, probably more like an abdom- abdominal snowman. An abdominal snowman? Like oh, whatever. Like, <laughs> <the stomach>. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a snowman with awesome abs. <laughs> Basically the situation in snow. <laughs> the jersey short. Now we're talking tattoos. This yeah, animal for has sure. tufts of hair on it. I feel like it's just going bald. I feel like he should submit an illustration and As we'll a, put it up online and see if people are cool with it. This is it. I, I appreciate that. I do too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. What we'll do for the question of the week, we'll have two parts. The first part will be, uh, Jesse will, uh, design a version of the Oriental Yeti and, uh, and it will be posted on the episode page at relevantmagazine.com. And, uh, and you can vote and weigh in about whether or not this is the kind of tattoo that Jesse should get to honor 
this conversation and to really, again, play the role of the sacrificial tattoo recipient. I really feel like you're saving a marriage, Jesse, uh, <laughs> if you decide to move forward with this, because I feel like the feud in here, though it wasn't verbal between Isaiah and Amy, you could feel that it was emotional and probably spiritual. Um, <laughs> there were some there were some issues there, I can tell. Yeah. Um, so if you step in and get this tattoo, I feel like you'll have a hand in healing a marriage that that is hurting a lot right now. <laughs> So, I do what I can. Okay. Okay. Well, just, just take that in consideration. So uh, the second part of the question is uh, that we're asking uh, for your feedback on the website at relevantmagazine.com is what is the worst tattoo that you believe someone possibly could get? And, uh, and you have to, in some way, uh, take into consideration uh, some filter process right and that mm-hmm. we're posting this online this so is a, this is a family yeah this is a this is a semi-family this is a, semi, this is a pg-13 podcast uh <laughs> yeah and website that's the second question jesse do you have any more questions before you get to illustrating this picture um no okay all right well thank you very much we, we've had a lot of guests mm-hmm. so far let's yeah. uh, let's give a round of applause to jesse who's uh, come in today thanks bud and no problem. man Guys, wow. there, this has been it's taking a turn. This has been entertaining. This has been an exciting podcast. <laughs> really, I mean, I've got sweaty pits, and I usually don't get sweaty pits in the middle of recording this. <laughs> but I'm just disgusting. excited. I'm just excited. That's disgusting. There is something awesome happening and brewing. It's the Lord. It is the Lord. I feel like God's on the move. He's at work within our offices. Healing and reconciliation is 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 happening as we speak. Oh. Um, anyway, so that those are the questions of the week. Uh, go to relevantmagazine.com to uh, to check that out. If uh, if you want to weigh in uh, and tell us exactly what's the worst tattoo that someone could possibly get, or even give us some of your feedback. About uh, Amy and Isaiah's marriage, and uh, and <laughs> which, even which is strong, which is which yeah. is strong. Yeah, just to clarify, just to clarify, they like each other. Okay, a lot. thank you, and Ryan. Well, and I was also going to say, and seriously, let us know what you think about Jesse, because like this is going to happen as a person, or no, 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 no as like the tattoo. You're idea. Like marriage is good. We want to know what you think about it. <laughs> uh, the phone number you can call in with this feedback is four zero seven six six zero one four one one, and that's extension. One, two, six. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. I believe that will do it. Uh, so my name is Josh Loveless. I'm Ryan Ham. Roxy Weeman. Jesse Carey. And for Chad Michael Snavely, we've had a great time and we hope you have a great week. See you soon. Uh, you can take that see you soon off. That's <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. Well, the thing, the thing about cryptozoology is, you know, most of the time you find out after the fact that this animal probably has supernatural powers.